0: Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast, I'm Tom Barbalay, and today a question from listener Bruce Kelly. Bruce asks, associated with the origins of Model Rail Radio. The origins of Model Rail Radio are pretty, well, they come from a, a variety of corners, so I'll just illustrate a few of them. When I was starting out with Noble Apes, I would have been about 19 at the time, there was a community called Biota that had started up as well. It had the late Douglas Adams, people like Richard Dawkins, a wide variety of folk who did stuff. And they got together at these biota conferences, and there were, I think, three or four biota conferences. The last one was actually held at San Jose State, literally a mile away from where I'm recording this podcast currently. And it brought together a number of people, and it seemed like a pretty interesting get-together. I wanted to go to the second one really badly, and I couldn't quite get there for a variety of factors. I was invited to speak at the third one, and I was travelling. And the fourth one was, I don't know, actually maybe there were only three, anyway. I used to know these things in any case. Biota was a community of folks who created simulation software. And after the last conference in 2000, I think, maybe 2001, the whole thing just kind of dissipated as these things do. And it wasn't until about 2004 when I was contacted by a guy called Dave Kerr who'd done artificial life simulation that I realized there was still an artificial life community out there. Didn't really talk to other people in the community. We were all kind of isolated. I mean, in parallel to this, there was an academic, like, I don't know what one would call it, group, perhaps. Loosely affiliated group of academics that had artificial life conferences every other year. But that was a distinctly different thing to Biota. Biota was about pluralism. It was ultimately about a kind of polymathy. It was about studying in a wide variety of areas and just getting kind of deep and dirty in the content and producing simulation software from that. It wasn't strictly associated with validating biological rules or all the kind of stuff that the academic artificial life folk were so interested in. Parallel to the academic artificial life folk, but, wow, I was at an artificial life conference, what, three, four years ago, and it was like, It was like the early 80s. I mean, it was really quite scary how how trying to replicate those systems in biology really got you moving. And uh, yeah, in parallel, there was Biota, which was just a group of miscreants. Anyway, about 2006, I started recording. Well, about 2005, I was past the reins by Bruce Damer in order to, you know, carry on the Biota documenting legacy. And I started a podcast for Biota maybe a few weeks after I started the Noble 8 podcast. And interviewed a bunch of people and did a bunch of things through that, but then turned it over to a live call-in format, which I think I probably did around 2007. And that carried on for, I think, about mid-80s recordings, maybe 90 recordings, I can't remember. And that was Biotal Live that people still go back and listen to, students still go back and listen to it. But what happened was that a group of the people that were like regulars went off and did other things. Many of them formed startups. Some of them started actively talking against, artificial life simulation and what I was left with was an unreliable thing I basically would be giving monologues so towards the end of biota live and I started to look for how this format could be used for other things and that's how model rail radio started I took the format that I had for biota live just translated it to model railroading and I guess there was some overlap there was a small overlap between biota live and model rail radio but not that much Another aspect of model rail radio is associated with kind of abused communities, and this exists for both model railroaders, but it also exists for podcasting. I was interviewed by a fellow called Rob Walsh, who had a podcast called Podcast Four One One. I think Rob Walsh still records podcasts, and he was an early advocate for podcasting, but also a very specific model for podcasts where podcasters would charge money to their listeners and also go out and find sponsorship for their podcast. So, like, two streams of money flowing in, just what every podcaster needs. And this whole thing rubbed me the wrong way because, firstly, I couldn't imagine people paying the kinds of money that they were talking about associated with, you know, monthly subscriptions and things like that. But also, it went against all the open source community stuff that I'd done with Ape and also done through Biota. Although I done it through biota through a similar time frame, so when I was interviewed by Rob Walsh, which was probably about 2007, I said I listed all the podcasts I listened to. I listened a wide variety of wargaming podcasts and the only model rail podcast that was available at the time, which was a fellow and a group of his friends, and many of them were you know luminaries in the hobby and actually quite interesting. But they had a structure kit show. They basically talked about structure kits. They talked to their buddies. It was a tight group, and I. I think I emailed them for the second show. My email was read out at least on the second or third show. And, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was what it was. It continues on to this day, a different lineup. I think they've gone through maybe a couple of different line-ups anyway. But it goes on to its day. It functions as a podcast. And, you know, I listen to it. It's not too bad. The other podcast, which started soon after my discussion on Podcast 411, was under this Rob Walsh model. Rob Walsh went to work for a company called Lipson. He was independently wealthy when he started out, he'd made some money through stock somehow and had like five years off to explore technology and discovered podcasts through that. But then he went to work for a company called Libsyn and Libsyn was about charging people monthly fees associated with hosting podcasts. So it fitted very heavily into his existing narrative associated with how, you know, podcasters should start charging their listeners and also bring in sponsors. And there was a fellow who started the second model railroading podcast who followed that to the letter belief, what have you. And, Through interacting with him, I've been very helpful. I, again, as with the first Model Rail podcast, had sent an email, and we had a lot of behind-the-scenes talking. But that was a format where the hostility associated with the lack of money. I mean, a wide variety of things happened with that podcast. And that was the other Model Rail writing podcast. And in contrast to this, there were wargaming podcasts, and I contributed pretty actively to a wargaming podcast, like I was the co-host. For a few months, maybe six months, maybe more. And then I reviewed a game, not negatively, but just a relatively neutral review, and I was quite critical about certain aspects of it. And it turns out that the sponsor of that podcast, who wasn't paying me, but was paying the host, ran a magazine, and the game was advertised in that magazine, and I was asked to withdraw the comments and the episode to be pulled and all that kind of stuff. And I just said, look, um, (laughs) this is a hobby for me, and I don't want this degree of stress. So Model Rail Radio kind of came out of that, although some of these things like Biota and, you know, doing stuff on this gaming podcast running in parallel, they just reinforced the format for Model Rail Radio. People calling in, being free and open, not taking sponsorship, and basically evolving the podcast into something that the listeners really liked. I was interviewed about a month and a half ago with a podcast that was very similar to Podcast 411, and the host asked me outright, I mean, he almost chastised me, like, why are you doing this Model Rail Radio thing? And I said, frankly, I can't imagine having met the breadth of people that I've met through Model Rail Radio. I mean, just the really fascinating people that exist as part of this community. And it's not something I can really subtract from my life. I mean, this group of people, I create something that is important to them. And it transcends all the you know views of capitalism and all this other nonsense. It's about basically building a community and then nurturing that community. And I feel really strongly about that point that I didn't make that I wanted to make. Model railroading as a hobby is an abused hobby. It's abused by people that have get-rich-quick schemes. It's abused by the major publications that want to make swift bucks. The whole thing is just so against the ideas of community and open source that I've worked on Biota with and certainly it's been part of blape and these kind of things. And yeah, I just thought the model railroading hobby is a hobby that needs something like model rail radio. And it just needs something as maybe a contrast, really, to these other ventures and these other things that have gone on. Because there are charlatans out there associated with this thing. And creating Mobile Rail Radio, creating a, you know, a thing, an entity, a digital entity that represents some of my community philosophy associated with this particularly eclectic thing, I can't think of the world in any other way. Tom Barbalay in San Jose, signing out.